What's going on, designers and decorators? It's Timothy. Unfortunately, Hannah is missing today. She doesn't feel good. So I have a special guest today. It's Luz Brown, and she is the founder of Willow and Jacks. Hi, Luz. Welcome. Hello. How are you doing? Fabulous. How are you doing? Great. I'm doing awesome. I, Thanks for asking. Yeah, I have to say, I love like on Zoom, I love your your like hat that you're wearing. And like you're just your whole outfit there is phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, uh, thanks to Nordstrom as well. <laughs> they, <laughs> I did a styling session with them, which actually turned out to be really fun. Um, Wait, they have that? Washington. Yeah, and it's free, and you just have to, you know, buy merch. And uh, and it was a. It took one component off of brand photography off of my to do list, so I always appreciate that. And it was it was great. It was fun. Well, yeah, kill two birds with one stone. I didn't even know that was a service, and I think I have to go do it now because <laughs> um, it's sort of like I kind of feel like it's like the um, Ethan Allen, where you go there, you get like a free designer, but you have to buy everything from Ethan Allen. It was like that, but it was very like the girl that I got was great, and she was very low pressure, and she really understood my my shape, you know. So she yeah. was picking out things that were really. I mean, I wouldn't have picked them out for myself, so it was just a great experience. I mean. If you can't afford a stylist, which I, I just feel like stylists are very New York City. I don't know if maybe <laughs> I can. I don't I've never looked into it, but um, but I was like, well, let's, let's start this route here and see how it goes. And then maybe I can bump it up next year. So learn so something new fun. every day. I, I had no idea Nordstrom had this service. <laughs> there you go. So we are talking business um, processes um, for designers, of course, because it's a design platform and you work with designers yourself. So tell me a little bit about your story. Like, how did you, I know you, you started in 2020, but how did you, how did this all come about Willow and Jacks? And also what is Willow and Jacks? Like what, where did that name come yeah. from? Yeah, of course. So um, I am the lead strategist at Willow and Jacks and we help interior designers streamline the business side of things so that they can focus on the creative love, that, excuse me, the creative work that they love. Um, while they're building an intentional business that fully supports their lifestyle. And we try to do it in like a really fun, easygoing way because let's face it, operations are heavy and boring. So if you're a client of ours, you'll probably be invited to a happy hour or two. We're pretty low key. Um, but my background, actually, I have a degree in interior design. That's how I started in the industry. And in 2017, I had my daughter and I decided that I wanted to stay home and be more present with her. Um, so I shifted gears a little bit and I got a job at a consulting agency in San Francisco. They're still around. And I worked there as a project manager and it was all virtual. And it was kind of at the beginning of virtual assistance. Uh, really, there were only, you know, th th I could count everybody on on one hand that was kind of doing that, that same mm -hmm. thing. And um, I loved it. I just loved it. My parents are both entrepreneurs and now my sister and my brother are entrepreneurs as well. So I've always been in the back end of businesses anyway, since as long as I can remember. I mean, mm -hmm. I was 12 years old and I was helping my dad with his SWOT analysis <laughs> for <laughs> his new company. So it's just something that I've always um, seen and been kind of at the forefront of. But I really love the project management side of it. And I shifted gears and just did that kind of as a freelancer for a while and then decided to take it a little bit more seriously and have loved every second of it. I love um, being able to not only just work on the operation side where my brain kind of functions a little bit stronger, but then also being able to see designers fulfill kind of their, their passions and be able to build businesses that really support them in strategic ways. 
Yeah, I feel like processes are such an overlooked part of what we do as designers. And I think it's just because most of us are are really like so creative minded that when it gets to like the business side of things, it may be a situation of like not necessarily purposely overlooking it, but, you know, overlooking it because there's so much to do. Um, would you say like it's it's probably like your number one kind of service offering with what you do over at Will and Jack's? Absolutely. I think that a lot of people that come to us have really honestly taking a, a good crack at it right and they're mm. just kind of stuck like okay I tried to do it the process it's not working I'm missing pieces there's components that are not you know fleshing well and I totally get that I mean I obviously as a business owner it, you know kind of uh, approach those things in a similar way as well but it's really just kind of panning out um, which we tend to forget to do and start looking at you know the bigger picture where do we want to be in five years and then dialing it in one step further from that. And it's like, okay, well, what are you selling? Who are you selling it to? Um, and then kind of going more granular and more granular until you get to those very specific processes. I know that some people might say like, oh, all you have to do is sit down and just like write down everything that you do. And it's like, okay, well, you do a gajillion things in your business. So that's <laughs> kind of impossible. And some things are weekly, some things are monthly, some things are annual, some things you do every five years. Like it's, I feel like that is just such a haphazard way to go about it. Um, that makes it very overwhelming. So I completely understand when designers come and they're just like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I'm like stuck yeah. in the middle of it. And we have to kind of unweave it a little bit and and backtrack and take the work that they have done, which is usually, you know, a great foundation um, and then kind of plug it into all the right places to make sure that we aren't missing any components and that we're um, being intentional with the strategy and, and kind of what ultimately they want to build. Yeah. So how how deep does this really go? So like you're talking about not just, you know, the like, let's I, let's give an example here. You're not talking about just, you know, uh, a lead comes in to, you know, fill out your form and then step ABC happens from there. Lead goes into, you know, client mode and you send the contract and deposit and then ABC XYZ happens. This is this is going even deeper on your services, going even deeper into like the marketing component into, you know, um, you know, the business process, like to review marketing material or like how, how deep does this whole thing go for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is the last piece to, to the puzzle really sure. is getting that workflow set together. We first look at what is the, the messaging that we want to send to the client, right? Because we want to make sure that the clients that are coming into that lead cycle are the right clients. We want to make sure that the wording that's on emails is representative of the way that you speak. We want to make sure that, you know, your vibe on your, you know, website or on your Instagram is, attracting the right kind of clientele that you're going to mesh well with. So we look at all of that and that some of those might be touching points. Some of those might be deep dives depending on what, you know, service package you're, you're into, but we try to like really pan out and just, I think it helps with when you get to the actual process, you feel really good about it because you feel like mm -hmm. it aligns with what you're working towards, you know, as opposed to just like, okay, well, I'm going to try this and see if it works. And, you know, honestly, sometimes it is a little bit of that, too, because how how do you know what you don't know? But it's yeah. a little bit more strategic than, you know, piecing these pieces together and then just going with the flow. We really want to make sure that it feels like at the end of the day, you know what the goal is that you're working towards. And all of this that we're, you know, automating and 
and all of the processes that we've documented are guiding you or guiding your business to that end goal. Yeah. And it's so, it's so specific. It's like, you know, uh, it, the process itself is so married to the design firm. Like you can't, and you shouldn't um, create this, like, I guess, template of process and, and buy that as a designer um, because that's not going to fit like your specific flow for your specific business and target audience. And it, it goes way deeper into just, you know, here's a, here's ABC one, two, three of, of what to do on what parts. It's very, very unique to uh, everything encompassing the designer, their clients, their type of projects, their, their business structure, how they find those clients and going deeper into marketing and like just it's multifaceted. Yeah. And I think that there's a really big misconception going around right now. And it's that there's a right way to do interior design. Right. There is, yes. there is no right way. No. You do the way that's right for you. I mean, I've seen people that are really successful, incredibly successful doing e-design packages only. I've seen people who are at the end of their careers and have decided to only do consulting services and they love it. And it just depends on where you are in your life, what you want to do with it every day, how you want to be interacting with clients, you know, also your personality. If you're an introvert, maybe interior design mm -hmm. online <laughs> is your jam, right? Like maybe you are the e-designer to the stars. So we really try to think about all of those things. And I think that every designer should consider that aspect of it. Um, and, and yeah, like you said, it's not as simple as just purchasing the way that you do interior design. You can learn the basics for sure. You can learn the foundations. You can learn, you know, what other people are doing and take influence in architecture, for example, or even in construction and pull some of those pieces into your process. But at the end of the day, it's unique to you and it's unique to, you know, how you want to spend your days. Yeah. And the interesting thing, too, is like that saying you get what you pay for kind of situation where if flip the script as an interior designer. If your client, if you you know, your client wanted a custom sofa, there's there's multiple steps to sourcing a custom sofa, um, just as there's multiple steps to getting the right process. And there's just no one fits all kind of thing, especially with with that. Would you say that um, when it comes to designers kind of starting out, would you say like the process and going through you or, you know, hiring someone like yourself, would that be the very, very first step they go through? Or do you think the process should be something they tackle like maybe a year down the road, six months? What does that look like for you? That is such a great question. I really do think that I'm a bootstrap kind of person, right? So I really yeah. do think that in the beginning, your goal is to get a client and your goal is to finish a project. And the process might be messy, might be wonky, but mm. you're going to learn everything that you need to from that first project, right? And then you'll feel stronger and better to go better equipped into the second project and the third and the fourth. And I totally encourage all of our clients, I mean, we even give them the tools to do this, but I encourage all designers and even myself, I do this to after a project wraps up, sit down and have a project report for yourself. Like, what did you like about the project? What did you not like about it? What went well? Who did you work well with? Who did you not work well with? What was the profitability? Ask yourself all those questions so that you can take that information and say, okay, well, you know what? There was a miscommunication with the client maybe I could do this differently next time. Maybe I can send them an email that says, hey, this is what to expect. Or, you know, there was a boundary issue where they didn't respect my boundary or, you know, maybe their expectations were skewed. I'm going to make sure that that's going to be something I include in my contract so I better protect myself. 
these are the things that we want to do so that we can learn along the way. But to answer your question, I think that if a designer has some projects under their belt, the optimal time to come to us is when they're within one to two years of business, because by then you should have enough experience of what you want to do exactly. And we can just streamline that and make it cleaner and more approachable. Um, but it is something that evolves, right? So I mm-hmm. do have repeat clients. I do have people that say, okay, well, we did my process, you know, a year and a half ago, but we've changed some things or, you know, obviously the pandemic affected a lot of the way that people did business. So, you know, people come back and they say, okay, can you help me do this? And of course, we're happy to do that. But also you have the tools to do it yourself when you understand the process a little bit better as well. Oh, sure. Absolutely. You hit on a really interesting point too. So one of the interesting things that you mentioned earlier was the ability for the firm to essentially change or be willing to adjust the process as they go. The funny thing is like throughout my, so I've been, I was a designer for 13 years and like three months or so before I stopped. <laughs> and I think my contract changed like seven or eight different times, like almost every single project. I wanted to add a new clause in the contract because something happened that I didn't want to happen throughout the process. But I would say at least seven or eight times I went through different versions of contracts. I adjusted clauses on a consistent basis, but I never actually went and sat down with myself or even because I didn't have a team or anything. I was very much a solo designer, Um, but I never sat down with myself and did like a project review. I never said, oh, you know, what what went well, what didn't go well. I just know what didn't go well. And I was so laser focused on what didn't go well. And I feel like I could have, in a sense, done a a better of a job as a designer if I focused on what went well and shifted things, you know, here and there to fit what went well in that. But you hit the nail on the head when you said that, you know, you really need to sit down with yourself and or your team um, and review your projects on a consistent basis and readjust yourself and reinvent yourself to get better projects or, you know, that will change your process for the better, I feel. Yeah. And it's just kind of approaching, uh, if you don't have a niche, a lot of designers, you know, feel that they don't, but if you don't have one, it helps you kind of uh, string together who that person is, who your ideal client is based Mm -hmm. on the projects that you know that you love, right? You're like, I worked so great with that person. It was so much fun. I want to do that again. How do I get that? And sometimes we don't, you know, we get so muddied in like, okay, next client, next project. And we don't take that moment, that opportunity to to reflect on that. And then you are, you know, misaligned. You're working with people who you don't love. You're stuck in these projects that you're not really into. And the best way to get out of that is to really kind of hone in on who that ideal client is that you work so well with and market to that specific person, right? Understand what their pain points are, mm-hmm. understand what makes them, you know, tick, what, what keeps them up at night. And once you have that, and by the way, you have this, information already they've already told you this on their discovery calls they've told you this when you came to their house and they were showing you around you have all this data take the data analyze it and use that for your benefit the d word i hate the the data word (laughs) this is simple data i don't do spreadsheets yeah (laughs) so it is simple (laughs) well even even within dima like we just don't look at data as a company um, as crazy as that sounds, I, I've always hated data because of how Facebook has always treated data. And I, I totally get using data to, to build your own company. That's a hundred percent a no brainer. But even me as a founder, like 
I there's I just hate looking at it. I I don't I don't want to look at it and I I just I don't like the word at all. <laughs> so when you said it I like cringed a little bit. But it's true though. I mean, how else are you supposed to improve unless you look at, you know, the internal processes and internal data and and everything you already have at your disposal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that it, it's it's also just like do we need a spreadsheet? Probably not. I mean, it's right. just kind of like a gut check, really. Um, a gut check and just being able to to reflect on it. You made a, a good point. You said that you were always so much on the negative that you were revisiting your contract all the time and you didn't really focus on the positive aspects of it. But having that positive kind of reinforcement also helps you truck along and know that you're doing the right thing for the right purpose. You're having the right impact. You know, it just kind of feels good in the soul, right? So it's not necessarily that you have to like type it into Google Sheets or anything, but you just have to say, okay, that went really well. And I'm going to take a second to just embrace that before I move on to the next. No, I totally agree. The, like I said, my contract was changed so many times, but I think it's really important too that designers are willing to change. I think I've met a handful of designers, though not all of them. I'll say that there's a lot of them who are very, very much willing to change, especially if they understand that change is a good thing, uh, depending on what the change is. But I feel like you really have to be open to that those adjustments and those those pivots, because if you're not, then that negatively impacts, I think, like a domino effect in in the process and in the business. Yeah, I mean, when you said that, the thing that kind of like came to mind was uh and I hear this all the time I I hear I'm not tech savvy right it's like I can't do this I'm not tech savvy (laughs) and I always just say you don't have to be right you can just hire somebody else to do it for you you can hire somebody in-house you can outsource it you can hire an agency you can do lots of things uh, and not that if that's not something that you enjoy, but you do need to be able to articulate to that person what it is that they're supposed to do, which is actually how I got weaved into this in the first place. So as I was working at that consulting agency, I had you know a good amount of designers that I worked with. And when I got onboarded every single time, it was just crazy because it'd be like, okay, well, we need X, Y, Z by Friday. And I'd be like, okay, well, how do we do that? never done it for your firm before where are your processes where do i find the information and i'm a very like resourceful person so i don't need you to like walk me through it i just need you to show me where it is right and they did not have that at all it was like it's in my brain and i was like well that's not gonna help me (laughs) so yes if you're not tech savvy uh write everything down make a loom video i know that probably sounds very techy but it's actually very easy but do it a pen and paper. I don't care, but like write it down so that you can literally hand that off to somebody else to do it for you or hire somebody to, you know, create the processes for you or create the documentation for you. There are definitely ways around it. So yep. I do think that there are some designers that are are reluctant is what I would say, reluctant to the change. Um, but you just have to approach it that way. Like if you want support there, that's out there that exists. I love what you said about Loom because the most interesting thing is, and I think everyone should try it, is to record yourself talking about your process that you think you have in your head <laughs> and then listen back to it. But yeah, that that like video, just recording a video and having that on hand to give to you guys so you can translate that. Uh, that's like an amazing 
amazing thing that you just said. Like my, my it mind is like is blown. the easiest way to do SOPs yeah. right now. I mean, who has time to sit there and type all of this stuff out? You can literally make yourself a five minute loom. Yep. You can go on whatever design platform you use and you can click, click, click while you talk through what it is that you're doing. Then you have your loom link that you can share with anybody, someone who you hire as a VA or someone who's new on your team. And you can even have it transcribed. So you can um, use a service that will literally take every word that you said and turn it into text. And now you have a written SOP, you have a Loom video. I mean, if I could go back in time and have all of those designers give me Looms for what they wanted (laughs) me to help them with, like I would have billed 50% less. Like that is just the truth of it, right? Like it took me so long to figure out what the heck I was doing because I had to kind of like, I don't know, like find it here and I'm on Google Drive and then I'm over there and then they also have Dropbox for some reason. But then some of it was in Asana (laughs) and I'm just like, where is the info that I need? Like, where is it? Yeah. You know, it'd be really interesting if if Indima created sort of like a SOP area where designers can create their SOPs and then obviously that would be shared amongst all their employees because they're logged into the system. But I, you know, we're really, we're so hyper-focused on like helping designers with that kind of stuff. So I think there's definitely an area of opportunity to to now that you're listening um, to go and create your videos and create your content, just write stuff down, even use like if you have like an iPhone, I don't know if Android has it because I'm very anti Android, not anti Android, I just don't like it. Um, <laughs> the iPhone has, uh, you know, voice memos where you can just record yourself talking. I've done that quite a bit, too. Um, just any way possible and just keep that in one centralized place. If you're using Google Drive and, and Dropbox, just go to Google Drive or go to Dropbox. Just one one area to keep all that stuff. Yeah, a good pick a lane. A yeah, lane no, exactly. Yeah. And if you're a user of Endema, there's the file manager. You can house all that stuff in there, too. And you could even password protect it. So there you go. Um, there you go. Luz, if you were to give, let's say, two, two pieces of advice from from your brain what would it be for our listeners yes so the very first piece of advice that i want to share is to templatize everything and yes i did google to see if templatize was a real word and it is. <laughs> so <laughs> and what i mean by that is same email to everybody that you onboard like you should be copy and pasting that if mm-hmm. you send if you have the same conversation with everybody that you talk to, you should write that down so someone else can have that conversation for you. If you send out a welcome packet and you're writing it by hand for every client, you should make a Canva document and share that instead as a PDF. Like any single place where you can make a template, make it easy, copy, paste, repeat, that is money in your pocket because that's less time that you're spending on that particular aspect. Now, I know what people are going to say, but what about the personal touch, right? I get that. And I 100% am all about making sure that the client feels that they are well loved on. But the thing is that if you are writing an email, for example, like when I do this, I sit down and I write the chunky bits that are not going to change from client to client. And I, I save that. And maybe the first sentence is a little bit more specific to the project. That is still saving me loads of time. Not just that, but then also, and Hannah would would attest to this, not just that, but then you also have consistency, right? Every single client is getting that same level of service, no matter what's going on with your day. Whether you had to go pick up the kids at two and now you're working at the park, 
or if you were at Starbucks at 8 a.m. and the coffee hasn't kicked in, or if you're in the middle of your work day, you know what I mean? Like you want clients to have a really consistent experience. So my first piece is templatize everything you can. The second one would probably be to map out your workflow first before you dive into a tool. A tool is only going to work for you if you know exactly what you're putting in it. And I think that that is, you know, it seems like a little bit of a beast. Maybe if you don't have a a really rock solid process, it might be, but the tool is going to work so much better for you once you have everything kind of set up on paper first and are transferring it in there. And it'll make so much more sense. It'll work so much smoother than if you are using, you know, especially with a project management tool. Project management tool is not going to save us, guys. We have to save ourselves first and then the project management tool makes us more efficient. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. Those are my two pieces. I love that second one because like literally before we started recording, we were talking about the fact that most of Indema users that come on, come onto the platform, they sometimes feel overwhelmed. And we we truly do believe that's because they're not fully understanding of their own process. And we strongly advise, obviously, to, to really hone in on that process and then look at the tools later um, instead of vice versa. So you, you hit the nail on the head there. And it's like really, really great advice. So thank you for that. Great. So how can our listeners find out more about Willow and Jacks? Yeah, our website is willowandjacks.com. Um, and you can go there. You can learn a little bit more about us and the services that we offer. But then also you can find us on Instagram at willow.and.jacks, which I have contacted the original Willow and Jacks people. They own two dogs. That's not us. But it is a cute account. I've asked them. They're not budging. It's fine. (laughs) But you can find us there. And yeah, and we're always happy to connect with new people and collaborate as much as possible. Community over competition always for us. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on today. And we really, really appreciate your time and all of the advice you provided. If you guys want to speak with Luz about her services, the description below will have her email address. Um, we'll also have the Instagram handle too, just in case you didn't hear it. You don't have to rewind. Just look at the description and also um, your website too. Um, well, thanks so much again for joining us today, Luz. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun oh. talking to you. Likewise, likewise. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Bye, everyone.